Hello there and welcome to this Human Life Podcast. My name's Melissa Nova and this is the companion podcast to the book, This Human. We are working our way progressively through the book where I read through each of the chapters and pause and reflect and dive deeper into the content and tell some stories and hopefully bring it more alive for you. If you have the book, that's great. Uh, you can read along. We're going to be starting from page 145 uh, today. If you don't, that's also fine. But if you would like to get a copy, you can get one at all of the normal places that you would buy a book. We have all the details over at thishuman.com if you want to go over there and check it out. All right, let's dive straight in. We're at chapter five. Uh, five. We're on chapter five and chapter five is all about intention. I wrote this book as a bit of a being guide to those people who are drawn to the field of human-centered design and human-centered leadership and there's many amazing books out there that talk about tools and methods and uh, processes around co-design, systemic design, human-centered design, strategic design, service design, all the designs. And what I wanted to contribute to the community was my experience on what it actually takes to be that person who's doing that work. And so this book is a little bit of a, it's a, gosh, I don't know, one of my friends uses the word humaning, you know, good humaning today, Melissa, she says, you know, it's, it's how to be the human being that needs to deal with the complexity that needs to hold the, you know, sometimes the ambiguity for everyone in the room, the person who is often the one with a different perspective in the room, the person who is often blamed for all the change that's happening within organizations, you know, the, the intention of the book is to support the being part of doing this work. So chapter five is all about intention and how to be conscious of where your attention's going, how to be uh, disciplined in your focus, how to bring some self-authority to your work. So on page 145, we start off with the title, Doing What is Necessary. Dreaming visualizing and communicating an idea you are passionate about can be very motivating but to bring something into reality you actually have to do something you have to sit down in front of your computer and finish the design hire the developer meet with the stakeholders solve the problems negotiate the constraints and so on sometimes you won't want to do that this is where your strength of will and character come to the fore It's also what sets you apart from the rest. Many people have dreams and visions and ideas they want to make real, but only a few of us are prepared to do what is needed to actually make that happen. Doing what's necessary comes down to two things. Believing you can and knowing you will. Believing you can comes from your belief in yourself and your role in creating this new reality. Your belief is the essential ingredient to actually bringing your idea into reality.
Your belief gives you energy and creates motivation in others. People will look to you for guidance when they sense that you have this belief in yourself. Knowing you will is determined by your level of free will and your conviction about what you are doing. The greatest realities in life have been created by people who knew they were going to do what they said they would, no matter what it took. These are the people who make history and whose stories are told over and over. When you are creating designs for the improvement of humanity and you are faced with difficult constraints, you need to know you're going to get through it. You will make it through the trials and emerge stronger than ever. In the uh, first chapter of this book, I talk a lot about beliefs and I'm particularly interested in beliefs because of the, the connection that I see in literally how our brains are wired. <laughs> so the, the pattern matching function that our brain has and our beliefs form those patterns that your brain then, then goes out and finds evidence for. And, and in so doing, sets up our way of perceiving the world. And so the thoughts that we have and the actions that we take in the context of intention and, you know, moving into delivery, which is the final chapter in this human, it's really, really crucial that we have an established practice around interrogating what our beliefs are and whether or not they're in line, aligned with supporting us in the work that we're doing. And sometimes we have beliefs that we've just created internally and sometimes we have beliefs that we've got from externally, you know, something that someone said to us and then sometimes internally are just things that you've decided about yourself. I'm not good at drawing, I'm not good at tennis, whatever that might be. And those beliefs set up what you think you can or can't do in the world. And if you have a clear feeling that the work that you're doing, the work that's in front of you, is inevitably going to come to conclusion, that it's, that it's just a given that you're going to get through this. And you believe that anything is possible, that you, and you believe that you can surmount any challenge. It is possible for you to come up with creative workarounds to the challenges you feel at the moment that's in front of you, just too big, too difficult, too dense for you to work through. It is that it is that belief coupled with your will, which is very closely linked to self-authority, which we're going to cover in this in this episode. It becomes a really potent and powerful uh, energetic combination that carries you through really, really, really challenging times. And sometimes, and I'm finding this in, in some work that I'm doing at the moment, the belief that you have in the work that you're doing also infects other people because they look to you and when you're talking you're still talking with conviction you're still talking from a place of possibility you're still painting the picture of what you see can happen and then people start to see it too so that's what that's what this chapter is about it's about that that really really clear intention that sits behind your motivation that sits behind your will, your determination and your resilience. Okay, over the page 146, there's a quote here by Mark Halperin. If nothing is random and everything is predetermined, how can there be free will? The answer to that is simple. Nothing is predetermined. 
it is determined or was determined or will be determined. I think we put that quote in there because of the holistic understanding that we have the word we have of the word design, especially at my firm huddle. Design is the word that we use to and I and I define it in my book as well, to, to describe any activity that takes something that doesn't currently exist in the world into actually existing in the world. And that doesn't necessarily need to be something new. It could be an improvement to a process. It could be whatever. But it's the it's the act of bringing something new into the world. We call that design. Okay, page 147, practice resilience. Everything I've spoken about in this chapter can be summed up in one word, resilience. And what a word for 2020, which is when this uh, episode's being recorded. Uh, um, December, so we're almost at the end, just a little bit of a timestamp there. Um, it can be discouraging when all you hear is, no, you can't do it. It won't fly with leadership. Nobody will want to do it. That would be illegal. Or <laughs> can't it be a little more invisible? <laughs> the stories behind those things, which I'll, drop in, which I'll tell you about. Morale drops and you feel as if your back is against the wall. This is when your resilience is tested. You're lucky you are a member of the human species, I would hope if you're reading this book, and we come equipped with free will. It will get you up in the morning and keep you going because you said so, despite the feeling that you're being let down, turned down or rejected. To be honest, if you don't experience this in your work, you're not pushing hard enough. I don't mean you're not pushing yourself hard enough. I mean you're not pushing the world hard enough. You're not challenging the systems and protocols and expectations and beliefs hard enough. If we are here to change things to be more sustainable, abundant and equitable for everyone, we need to give the current paradigm a decent shake-up and create an alternative. It takes real grit. If we are going to rewire the systems that contribute to the challenges that face humanity, we need resilience. We need to be Olympic-grade athletes at what we do. This takes commitment, determination, and real grit. I remember early on in my career, I used to get really, I used to take it really personally when someone, you know, pushed back on an idea or told me that I couldn't do something or just outright decided to not believe the outcomes of the research that I'd just done or, or would just be 100% um, unwilling to see anything from a different perspective. I used to feel quite beaten by that. And I remember I was at a, a workshop that somebody else was running and I was again in the position where I was at the table talking about things from a slightly different perspective, trying to advocate for taking a human-centered approach, not necessarily finding all the answers, you know, just the normal stuff every day, every day in, day out. <laughs> and uh, I just, that particular day, I just got really frustrated and I disengaged from the workshop for a while. And there was a, um, a person sitting next to me who was um, at the other end of their career. And during the break, he came over to me and, and he said, look, I've noticed that they just you've gone a bit quiet and, and I told him that I, I feel like I'm always 
either too early with my ideas or not finding the right hook to be able to communicate what I see as possible in a way that has people, you know, want to want to listen and, and want to engage with the idea. And and he he said to me, and this is a question that I have integrated into my own practice and leadership, which is the, you know, the who do you think you are question. And also the what do you think you're doing question. And that came from this workshop. And he said, who do you think you are? And I, and but he said it in a way that I knew wasn't the, well, who do you think you are kind of tone. And I just, I just sat there and was just c- contemplating his question. And, and I said, I, you know, I'm not quite sure how to answer that. And I said, I'm a human-centered designer. And this is at the time I was working at Telstra. And, and he said, it really affects the way that you make sense of a situation depending on who you think you are in that situation and he said if you think you are you know someone who is part of the status quo um who is here to toe the line and who is here to you know not make trouble for people then you know perhaps go on feeling the way that you're feeling uh, frustrated and unheard but if you see yourself to be a pioneer or a person who is going to bring in new thought who will be the agitator in the room because of those things then this is normal and this is good and you're exactly where you ought to be and you're getting the reactions that are perfect for who you are and what you're here to do and that small 15 minute conversation as as is these things really affected the way that I was from that moment on in those situations and uh, and I guess I just want to pass that on to you which is that you know when you're doing your work and you're communicating the findings of your work or the the solution that you've arrived at through using human-centered design or whatever practice and you're getting resistance um, see that as as a positive reinforcement as opposed to a you know something that takes the wind out of your sails confidence and authority what a great segue who knew self-confidence played an important role in how you make sense of your work without self-confidence you second guess yourself your ability as a practitioner your findings and your designs believing in your ability to find a path through is essential to actually being able to do it without self-belief your chances of creating what you have in mind are significantly limited When to seek validation. You need confidence to avoid seeking validation of your synthesis too early. It fuels the energy you need to continue to wade through the data and endure the uncertainty and ambiguity your work evokes. External validation of your findings is, of course, essential to the robustness and reliability of the outcomes of your work, but knowing when to seek it can be tricky. The uncertainty that an early validation introduces can be very damaging to nascent findings. I have seen ideas tossed away as irrelevant only to be excavated later and incorporated back into the work. This is a, this is a very painful process and it can be messy. Seek validation only when you have fully integrated your work, regardless of what phase you're at and when you can communicate it clearly and in context. If something doesn't sound right to someone else, it doesn't mean the finding is invalid. 
it might just mean that it hasn't been communicated holistically or the person receiving the information doesn't have a reference point to make sense of it. I think what I'm cautioning here is um, uh, sometimes I'm referring to external validation in particular. So um, obviously you've got your project team and you're working through and you're doing all the analysis and synthesis together perhaps or you're you know doing a project solo. And it's completely normal for you to be testing ideas and, and does this make sense to you and, and all of that sort of stuff. I'm, I'm not talking about that type of validation. I'm talking about the type of validation where you go back to the client, you go back to the sponsor and you go, this is what we're finding to, to keep them engaged in the journey and to be able to have them feel and have their 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 thoughts and, and perspectives be incorporated into the sense making. And sometimes that can happen too early and we might lose the the inspiration and momentum that we have behind a particular finding because of one thing that someone said too early in the process. So what I tend to do is wait until I can confidently talk about the finding or the insight within context of the outcomes that the project is ultimately in service of. That's when I know that I'm ready to seek the sponsor's validation or the client's validation Um, but up until that point sometimes it feels too early okay Uh, exercise 5.5 on page 148 own your authority giving yourself permission to have authority over your work is an important aspect to having meaningful impact sometimes what you're suggesting is new and you don't have any evidence to show it has worked before The following scenario will help you demonstrate your confidence in your work and foster your inner authority. Tip. As designers, we are used to being in an emergent space of not really knowing what we're going to find next. This is a state of perpetual beginner's mind. Often, this means we don't back ourselves. So this is the dialogue between, say, an executive and a, a practitioner. Can you show me where this has been successful before? No, I can't. We have found, what we have found is unique to this group of people in this situation and we need to design a bespoke service for that situation. This is too risky for us to try. We rely on prior case studies to manage our risk. I understand. There is always risk related to trying something new. Relying on case studies will always put you in second place at best. What we are proposing is less risky than continuing to do something that doesn't result in an outcome you need to remain viable. We have worked with the people who will be using this service. They have participated in the research and the design of the concepts. We are as confident as we can be about trying something new with these people. If we go ahead with this, how are we going to mitigate our risk, given that it has never been done before? We'll involve representatives of all people involved in delivering the service from your organisation, as well as the people who will be using the service. We will be creating cheap prototypes and testing early. This prototype approach is like your risk mitigation pathway. It allows you to see whether it is working in the market and whether your organisation can actually deliver upon the promise. As we learn more, we will integrate the learnings into the next iteration. This is a much more risk-averse approach than building something completely new and then going to market with a complete offering and hoping it succeeds. And we have many examples when organizations have done that and uh, suffered millions of dollars worth of suffering 
Okay, we're heading to the end of chapter five. Creation requires energy. Your job is to harness it and direct it, quote. All right, to sum up, creating something from nothing requires energy. Much of this energy has to come from you and you'll need to learn how to manage this process. Sometimes you'll feel fantastic and sometimes you'll feel depleted. Having a clear sense of intention, knowing why you're doing the work you're doing and believing in yourself are great sources of energy. Your free will summons this energy and your attention, intention and attention allows you to direct it. And remember, it's not all up to you. Your ability to connect with people will give you the support you need to work through the tough times. Next, hard work doesn't mean not enjoying what you do. The next chapter explores how to inject your work with a sense of fun and passion. Yay, my favorite. All right, that leaves us on page 151, which wraps up chapter five. How exciting. As always, I enjoy reading this to you. I um, hope that the, the stories and the little anecdotes that I share with you are helping to bring the content alive and helping you, you know, grow in your practice as a human-centered designer or a human-centered leader. And uh, I look forward to starting chapter six with you um, in the next episode. So if you um, want to check out the free stuff over at thishuman.com, you can do that. There's some worksheets and lots of goodies over there for you to sort of poke around in and see what see what resonates and if you're interested in exploring some one-on-one coaching with me you can go and have a look over at melissasanova.com and uh, there's information waiting for you there as always thank you for listening and uh, i'll be with you next episode thanks bye